0: This is Unaided, the brand building podcast, brought to you by LeakSide, a team Snap company. Get ready to learn about brand marketing strategy from the experts. Here's your host, Evan Brandoff. Hello and welcome to the Wingren Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brandoff. Today is a special episode but I'm recording from my in-law's apartment in New York City, here for my sister-in-law's wedding this weekend. Today, we welcome Alberto Hernandez to the show. Alberto is the head of pain and sleep, heading brands including Unisum and Icy Hot. Alberto is super smart, knowledgeable, and curious. Let's get into it. Alberto, how are you today? I'm great. Alberto, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah. So, where are you calling from today? New Jersey, Mandam. New Jersey nice so i know you're an international man where did you grow up originally alberto i was born and raised in barcelona in spain
1: that's where i'm from
0: so interesting you said barcelona spain so is barcelona officially in spain and not uh well i'm drawing a blank on, on the
1: controversy oh uh, there's plenty of discussions uh, about that at home so i i prefer not to <laughs> not to comment on that that's fair well again excited to have you on
0: today so for our listeners that aren't that familiar, uh, can you tell everyone a little bit
1: about Sanofi? Yeah, of course. So Sanofi Consumer Healthcare is uh, one of uh, the main providers of consumer healthcare solutions here in the U.S. and around the globe. Our portfolio encompasses allergy solutions, digestive health solutions, pain and sleep healthcare solutions, and personal care. And I am the responsible for the pain and sleep part of the portfolio, which comprises three major brands, Icy Hot, Asperg Cream, and Unisum. Nice. So why does pain and sleep fall under the same category? It's a great question. I think those two are need states that are to a certain degree connected. You know, pain is a cause of not sleeping, and non-sleeping can be a cause of pain. So that, in addition to market dynamics in which our customers are organized that way and we have the same buyer for both sleep and pain happening together, it's actually organizing us that way. That makes sense.
0: So I'm really excited to dig into Sanofi, your role today. Can you hear me okay?
1: Yes, perfectly. Awesome.
0: But first, I want to take a step back. I want to go to grade school Alberto growing up in Barcelona. What was
1: grade school Alberto like? Wow. Uh, That's a great question. I think he was uh, a curious person. I think, you know, one of the things that described me as an individual when I was younger was the fact that I was always trying to investigate new disciplines, new things, trying to understand how the world operated. And I think that actually took me to have the international career that I had because I was always hungry for more or wanting to know more. So I would say that if you have to use just one single adjective to describe me, it would be curiosity.
0: Nice. So, you're curious. And then when you went to university, did you
1: go to university in Europe? Yes, I did. Nice. And then you started your career in Europe, right? Yes, I did. I started my career in Spain. Actually, I started my career in the uh, video game industry. Really? Yeah. French company called Ubisoft. You might know a couple of titles of uh, Splinter Cell, Rayman, Rogue Spears. So, you know, that was my first job. Do you still game at all? Yeah, 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 I do. I have a Nintendo Switch. So I try to try to play from time to time if my wife allows me to do. <laughs>
0: uh, I also have a Nintendo Switch that my 35-week pregnant wife doesn't appreciate when, when I whip out. But uh, <laughs> we'll have to play live sometime. We share the same situation. <laughs> Mario Tennis is my game if you ever
1: want to play. That's fantastic. Fantastic.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to, to wrap my head around. Like, you now are the head of Pain and Sleep at, at Sanofi. You have had such an incredible career and and so many unique experiences, and I want to learn a little bit more about how does someone get to the point of of their career where they're the head of of Pain and Sleep at, at Sanofi?
1: That's a great question. To be honest, Evan, I don't think it's a linear journey. My journey has been, I would say, pretty rocky through the process, right? So I started in the video game industry when the video game was booming in Europe, which was a little bit later than then here in the U.S., it was a beautiful marketing school for a naive marketeer like me because you could do things absolutely wrong and still grow triple digits, right? It's the perfect context to be. In addition to that, it was an industry that was giving you the chances to test and learn a lot of things because it was... At that moment in time, it was an industry that didn't have the budgets that it has today, but it has pre lean risk mentality regarding how to reach new audiences, how to, you know, connect with gamers, hardcore gamers, light gamers. So it gave you a mentality of test and learn, which was actually extremely valuable for me in my career in terms of trying to understand how to do things differently as I was progressing. From there, I joined Nestle, and Nestle was home for a little bit over 17 years. So it took me from Barcelona, Spain... To headquarters in Switzerland. From Switzerland, I moved to Mexico to take care of the infant nutrition business for the Latin American region. The work there was witnessed by the Gerber folks here in the U.S. after the Gerber acquisition by Nestle, and they offered me the possibility to come here to the U.S. to lead the Gerber business. Uh, From there, I jumped to a startup that was backed up by Curic Dr. Pepper to scale up the commercial operation. And from there, the team at uh, Sanofi reached out to me just to let me know about the pain and sleep opportunity. So it hasn't been linear. It has been a constant adventure. Let's put it that way.
0: And by the way, as I mentioned before, my wife is 35 weeks pregnant. So if you have any uh, connections at Gerber still. I do. <laughs> but also some sleep. We'll, we'll need some help sleeping too. So a lot of stops on the way. You're going to need Gerber, Icy Hot, and Unisom. I tell you that right away. Yeah. Yeah. 1000%. <laughs> and I find it so interesting that curiosity, you would have described yourself as curious as grade school Alberto. How has that curiosity evolved? How Have you been able to maintain that curiosity? And how, how has it changed at all over the years?
1: That's a great question. I would say that curiosity has to be fueled. If not, what happens is that it, it, just, it becomes stagnant to a certain degree. So I think it's something that if you feed it, it becomes bigger. And, uh, at the very beginning, you have curiosity for one field, but then the moment that you start understanding other fields, other industries, other aspects, you start getting, you know, yourself into a habit of studying things that are not the things that you're supposed to be studying only. And I think that opens avenues and doors that you didn't consider. I consider myself an evergreen student. I'm always looking at different industries. For example, I'm reading today and uh, books about how the music industry has evolved since the, since the launch of Napster back in the day and how did it have such a significant impact in the rules of the game for that industry. So if you keep yourself open and if you feed that curiosity, I think it only becomes bigger and it makes you more curious. So I think it's a virtuous cycle. To say it like this, I love that and wholeheartedly agree. And I'm curious, leading a team,
0: leading a company or you know, department that, that's so large, what, what are things that you do in order to incorporate curiosity into your core values and make other people on your team curious as well? That's a great question.
1: So, things that I do is first, I share my questions and curiosity with my team members on a regular basis every Friday more or less between 1 to 2 p.m., I send them what my summary of the week has been, what my outlook for the following week is, and what were those things that I learned through that week that might be or might not be related to the business that I manage so that I spark questions and thinking, that it's not the traditional thinking that you would spark, right? And, you know, what I do throughout the week is when I see something that I really believe could be inspirational for us to, you know, learn from, borrow with pride, or, you know, explore or investigate farther, I either record it, take pictures, write about it, and make sure that every Friday I'm sending those examples to my team so that we keep that spirit alive.
0: Interesting. So playing that back, through transparency, through sharing with your team how curious you
1: are, you're able to encourage that curiosity across the board exactly exactly and being curious about what's interesting for them because sometimes one of the things that you do if you're curious about your team's interest you can learn things that you wouldn't if you were not right
0: so can you let us in a little bit? What's something you're curious about? Something you're thinking about for 2022 for for one or, or some of the brands that, that you're working on?
1: You know, actually, I want to take a little bit, lean in more from a risk perspective. There are certain areas I think we have started to scratch the surface on, especially with Icy Hot, which I think it's a brand that has the possibility to stretch farther than what it has been in the past. I'm exploring how to incorporate more test and learn mentality in the way that we operate that brand moving forward. Interesting.
0: Can you expand on that a little bit more? What's an example test that you're able to do with a brand like, like Icy Hot?
1: I guess we'll talk about this a little bit more in, in details, but two years ago, when the pandemic hit together with our, with Shaquille, with our uh, brand ambassador, we had a discussion regarding how the brand could help the community in a stronger way than what it has been doing in the past. And we thought to ourselves, if we're really serious about our purpose to helping people rise from pain, now people are suffering pain. You know, they're in pain because they cannot do what they love to do. So how can we basically ensure that we're doing well while doing good for the community? And that's where, you know, our entire purpose-led activation as a brand started. So we started with that. We moved into combat courts, which I guess we'll talk about it a little bit more afterwards. And then now we're thinking, what's next, right? How can we keep helping young athletes rise from pain and perform? How can we discover the next big athlete and help make sure that they have the possibility to continue their career? So that type of mentality of trying to do well while doing good is something that it's injected into the brand and that we want to keep building and nurturing, moving into 2022 and beyond. Interesting.
0: So this is a perfect segue into talking about the get back in the game campaign, partnering with Shaquille O'Neal. I see on Shaquille O'Neal. An incredible campaign. For our listeners that aren't as familiar, you share a little bit more information on, on what that campaign is all about.
1: Of course. So Shaquille is you know, he's a long time I see hot partner. He has been with the brand a little bit, I think it's close to eighteen years. So he's not just an ambassador, you know, he's part of the team. Actually, we talked to Shaquille and his team on a regular basis. I would say that at least we talk once a month with the team. So when the pandemic hit in 2020, as as I said, you know, we had a sit down and a conversation regarding how could we together help the communities that were suffering the most. And that's when Get Game Ready was born, which was uh, in partnership with the Shaquille O'Neal Foundation. We created a grand program in which we donated $1 for each packaging sold for Icy up to $300,000 to be able to help communities and sports programs that have been impacted the most by the pandemic. Basically, with those funds, with grants, we will give them a grant and they would buy PPE, equipment material, safety protocols. They will get advisors, expert advisors on how to approach the coming back to school for practice, et cetera, et cetera, right? So that was the first step. That was 2020. In 2021, we got together again to say, how can we keep this going? And that's when comeback courts became a reality, which is basically we came back with, you know, we were exposed to an article by the Aspen Institute that uh, says that local public sports programs that normally give resources to practice sports to youth at scale were were much more impacted by the pandemic than private school programs that are allowing students to practice their sport. And therefore it was gonna take them so much time to be able to go back to normal. And what we said is why don't we help, you know, refurbish courts so that the youth in those communities can go back to the courts and, and play their favorite sport. And that's what we have been doing this year. We have refurbished one court in Vegas and we're about to unveil another one in Newark at the beginning of twenty
0: twenty two. That's awesome. So, absolutely love what you're doing. It it totally aligns with our mission at LeagueSide to make youth sports more accessible. What I'm curious about, curious, there are so many different ways to make an impact on communities and make an impact on athletes even. I guess my original question was going to be, how did it come to be that Shaq became a part of the Icy Hot family? But that's been 18 years running now. So we'll put that question to the side. How do you determine to make this impact, run this campaign in order to, to make an impact? How does it align with your business objectives? Yeah, that's a great
1: question. So the first thing is, it starts with your purpose as a brand. You have to understand what's the role that as a brand you can play in making a society better. And, you know, as a brand, something that describes ICHot is that we know how to help people manage their pain. We've been fueling and helping athletes for decades. So if you take that purpose seriously and then you look, what is your expertise allowing you to be able to make an impact with the community? Then you start looking at what is that cause that you can participate in? in which you have added value to put on the table. It's not just choosing a cause for the sake of choosing a cause. It's choosing a cause in which you can make an impact because of the knowledge and the resources that you have. That's why we chose this one, because we know about pain, we know about sports and about performance, and that basically took us to say, how can we help the people that are in pain, that are more affected because of this whole situation, be able to go back and perform in a safe way? And that's how it came to be. What, what do you think the power is for a brand to tie to, to sports? I think it's very powerful. I think sports are, um, it's sports. It's a, uh, it's a little bit of, a, of a lifestyle component of who we are as humans. It's stories of superation. It's stories of resilience. It's filled with, with stories of disappointments, but also comebacks. So I would say sports are encapsulating a significant human truth of, uh, uh superation and rising. Above what you're expected to be doing. So I think it has a significant aspirational component for any brand to be able to be connected with sports as a discipline. You've lived and
0: worked in Barcelona, Mexico City, or Mexico, Switzerland, now the States. How would you say the sports culture varies from market
1: to market that you've lived in? Wow, that's a great question. And there's plenty of similarities, I have to tell you. One of the things that sports carries with it, it's passion. And even if you're attending a soccer match in Barcelona or you're attending a hockey match here at the Madison Square Garden or you're watching Chivas in Mexico, you feel the exact same passion. I think one of the things that it's very, I would say, exciting about how sports are being managed in the U.S. is that it has an a spectacle component to it. It has a show to it, right? which is it heightens the fireworks surrounding the sports itself, which I think it makes it extremely enticing for audiences. I see much more similarities that I see differences in what sports mean in the different cultures that I have had the luck to to live in.
0: Who are your team or, or teams?
1: <laughs> so uh, I'm a hardcore fan of Football Club Barcelona. Of course, that's where I was raised. If you ask me here in the U.S., I'm a fan of the Lakers because okay. hey, when I was younger, I used to you know, put my alarm clock at 2 p.m. Pau Gasol? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, but it, before that, before that, I was a fan. I started being a fan when Kobe and Shaq were together. That was... I remember putting the alarm clock at 2 a.m. just to wake up and watch the matches when I was in Barcelona because I was so impressed about how they played the game. And, of course, when Gasol came over, it was just that... Uh, it was even part of the family, to say it like this.
0: What I found so interesting when, when I was in Barcelona and I can't, went to Camp Nou for a game is... I think Messi scored like 4 goals that game. It was it was awesome, but it was like 5-0. It was garbage time and we asked someone behind us to take our photo. And they said, after the game, like, we, we don't do that <laughs> while the game is playing. And that, to me, was the biggest difference. Like, you know, people go to a game in the States to hang out. Watching the game is secondary. And I thought it was incredible
1: how locked in everyone was <laughs> in the stadium. It really is a ritual. It's a ritual. And you have to be focused in 90 minutes, right? You're participating in the game. You're playing that game as well as an spectator. So you have a role to play. Right. You yeah, I'll do a, a good job at it.
0: So... Shifting back, that was a little bit of an aside, but but something I'm really curious about is the campaign y'all are doing is amazing. You're impacting so many people. How do you incorporate that into into your overall media marketing mix, meaning... What comes first, determining how much you're going to spend on social and digital and traditional media and and then choosing the campaign? Or when you choose a campaign like this, then then you you determine how to incorporate it in in your overall strategy?
1: Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So I think it's the latter. I think it's first you define what you want to accomplish as a brand. And once you are able to do that, once you're able to define what your objective is, what's the roadmap? to get there, what are those key milestones that you need to accomplish in order to get there? And you define what are those KPIs that you're going to use in order to measure the fact that you're going in the right direction to accomplish that objective is when you start making choices regarding how to bring that vision to life. So I think it comes first defining the vision, a daring vision of where do you want to take it? And then you have to define what the roadmap is towards getting there and what are those tools that are going to help you get there.
0: That makes sense. So What are some of the key KPIs for that you saw or exceeded in in 2020, which yielded wanting to continue this in 2021?
1: So in 2020, one of the things that we saw is the first KPI was the impacting community. So we were able to give 23 grants to 23 schools in the US was an incredible fit for the brand. And by doing that, we were able to reach an audience of around 400 million impressions or 400 million impressions within the total campaign. So we were pretty happy with the process of being able to help the community and at the same time drive awareness for the brand associated with our purpose. This year, we're going to be able to help two big communities, the uh, Westside Historic District of Las Vegas and then Newark as a community. And so far, the campaign has garnered 1.4 billion impressions. So it has skyrocketed versus what we expected that we would get. And I think it's a reflection of the fact that, again, we're doing good by doing good and betting on doing good as a brand. We're actually doing well as well. Doing well by doing good. That's I love that. So tying it all together,
0: if you could go back and give grade school Alberto some advice with with everything you know now,
1: what guidance do you think you would give him? I would tell him to be patient sometimes. I would tell him that sometimes... You have to wait a little bit because things are not just going to fall in place right away. It takes time sometimes for things to be organized. And I was a very impatient kid. (laughs) You're asking me what I would tell young Alberto. I tell old Alberto as well all the time that, that, you know, (laughs) we have to be patient. We have to, you know, make sure that we have a clear vision. Make sure that you're putting the plans in order to accomplish that vision and then let the pieces fall in place.
0: Well, the fact that you are consistently sending an email out to your team and extended team every week with what you're thinking about, what you're working on shows that it, your voice in your head is clearly working and and you're executing on what you're telling yourself. So, Alberto, this conversation has been incredible so far. I have one last part of the podcast for you. It's called the lightning round. Okay. So, it's four questions. We've got 2 minutes total to to answer them. So, what the first thing that comes to mind, Okay. Just share. So the first question is, what's your favorite youth sports memory?
1: Kuman's goal for the final, the uh, Champions League final in the, for Barcelona to win it. I think it was 92. Nice. What did you want to be when you grew up? First, I wanted to be a military pilot. Then I wanted to be a cinema director. I still want to be a cinema director, but I think I'm too old for that.
0: No way. You, st- you still got it if, if you really want it. What is a brand whose
1: marketing you admire most? Any brand that is an underdog any brand that it's a challenging brand that has to bet its life to one area to survive i would say examples body armor under armor vitamin water brands that have had to really bet on something and were able to break through because they were about to either win or die and then last question what is your go to cause to support anything related to kids, anything that is related to kids. You know, I believe little human beings shouldn't be suffering. So anything that is related to helping kids in any way I can, it's top of my agenda. I love it.
0: Alberto, this was inspiring, fun, and I'm leaving here more curious than when I started. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you, Evan. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to our episode with Alberto Hernandez. As a recap, We covered the importance of curiosity and how to embed that into your culture. More about their icy hot get back in the game campaign with Shaq, how large campaigns can come to life, and just overall, so many interesting tidbits about working in different countries and, and how sports fans compare in different cultures. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Evan Brandoff. See you next time. Play on, everyone.
1: If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show and leave a rating at leagueside.com slash podcast. For more educational and inspiring content, you can follow Leagueside on LinkedIn and Instagram at leagueside underscore. See you next time.